Great stuff. It's so good to see you guys. Uh, my name is Brad, if we haven't met before, and I'm so glad you're here. We're in part two of this series called Fixer Upper. And a fixer upper is a real estate term for a house, a home that is not in good condition. But if you uh, purchase that house for like a low price, uh, lower than like market value type thing, and then you actually uh, put a plan together and then put some work into it, then you can take something that's not very valuable and make it really, really valuable, especially over time. Like it can be a great long-term investment. And uh, Samer Massad was here last week, did a great job of kicking off the series for us, and he talked about that college students and people in general are kind of like fixer-uppers, that we're running around trying to figure out and navigate the complexities of life. You're trying to navigate the complexities of college and life at the same time. Uh, some people are trying to, you know, figure out complexities of family and marriage and all those other types of things at the same time. But also that there's some responsibility in our lives that if we were to look at our lives and see that there were some areas that we needed to improve on, that we would be like, okay, if I evaluate my life, I can get better at this area of my life. I can get better at this area of my life and um, these areas of my life. And all of us, if it comes down to it, we know that there's room for improvement in our lives. And last week we started off with this idea that godliness, that the pursuit of godliness promises to add value to every area of your life. So the pursuit of godliness promises to add value to every area of your life. Samer talked about spilling uh, water in his car and that it would, it would go across the dashboard or go across you know, in the middle console and it would just seep into the crevices. And he said, godliness is like this, that if you pursue godliness, that it will seep into, it will creep into every area of your life. So um, there's a huge responsibility on you to pursue godliness, to train yourself to be godly. That's what we talked about last week. But tonight I want to talk about another component that will help you, that you have to understand this component. It's like a foundational component for you to understand how to pursue godliness and really to understand um, what God did for you so that you can pursue godliness. And uh, I don't know, are there any Dr. Seuss fans in the room tonight. Any, any Dr. Seuss fans? Yes, we got some Dr. Seuss fans. So, yeah, I mean, I love Dr. Seuss. And uh, my name, by the way, if we haven't met, I said my name is Brad, but my last name is Horton. And, uh, and so uh, everybody, you know, when they meet me for the first time, and I don't know them, or not everybody, but some people, when they meet me for the first time, they, they hear the last name Horton, and they say, Horton, here's a who, and they think they're original with that. They're like, you know, that's really funny, you know, Horton, here's a who, your name's Horton, you know, Horton the Elephant, you know, have you heard any, seen any, heard any who's lately, you know, and I'm like... That's really not that funny, but I laugh because I'm just like trying to be nice and, and gracious in that moment. But Dr. Seuss is a legend. He is amazing, you know, and uh, his most famous book, it might be debatable, but most famous book probably is the Cat in the Hat. Yes. And, and in Cat in the Hat, at the beginning of the, of the Cat in the Hat, I mean, are, are those books not incredible? Great pictures. They rhyme, you know, easy to read, all of that kind of stuff. Don't you wish your books were like that today? Um, but, you know. Uh, you know, the cat comes in and he puts a box out. And what's in the box? Y'all remember what's in the box? Thing one and thing two. You got it, Stephen. That's the way to go. So here, here, here's what's in the box. Thing one and thing two. Uh, thing one and thing two. And uh, they're amazing. They start just causing chaos in the house. You know, I mean, complete ruckus. You know. And then at the end of the day, somehow they magically all, you know, clean it all up, which is amazing about thing one and thing two. But there is a professor in seminary, a grad school in Dallas, and he actually compares the pursuit of godliness. 
He says, there's two things that you need to know. He's, he's like, there's a thing one and a thing two. And the thing one is God. That there is a component that God has to do something, that God has done something for us to be able to pursue godliness. So God is a part, a huge part of godliness in our own lives. And the second part, thing two, is you. That you have a part to play. You have a responsibility to play. And in fact, um, that's really what the series is about, is the responsibility that you have to pursue godliness. And we're going to talk about that a lot next week. In fact, do not miss next week. It's going to be a great finish as we wrap up this passage that we're looking at tonight. There's a huge responsibility that you play in the pursuit of godliness. However, some of you have heard that before, and you know that message. In fact, you grew up in churches that talked about that all the time, and you felt like, you know what? I just can't measure up to that. I can't pursue that. I can't do that. Like, I cannot, if it's up to thing two, thing two is not making it, because I've failed many, many times. And so the thing that you need to know as we begin tonight is that thing one is really, really important. Thing one is God. He is your heavenly father, and he has done an incredible work that has allowed you, has provided a way for you to pursue godliness. And so tonight, I would love for us to unpack that. And, uh, and to do that, um, the thing about God is he often doesn't get the credit for what he has done. And I don't know about you, but um, you know, in elementary school, uh, when you were in school, you had projects to do. Y'all remember that? Uh, you had projects in elementary school, and you had to do them. For me, in elementary school, I was like in uh, fifth grade, sixth grade, in this really small town in Wilson, North Carolina, and we had... Um, you know, we had like 18 students in my class. We can get thing one and thing two off the screen now, just so you, so you know that. That'd be great. Um, but uh, so um, I was in class, and we had 18 students in our, in our class, five guys, 13 girls. It was really small, okay? And uh, Charles Thomas was one of my um, greatest friends in school, and I really liked Charles. I mean, he was amazing. He was a good basketball player. We hung out all the time. I loved going to his house. He had like an indoor basketball, like carpeted court. Like it was really, really cool. I'm talking about miniature court, not like real thing. But um, Charles, the thing that bothered me about Charles is when projects were due, because um, for some reason, I would always wait for the last second. I'm a procrastinator, and I would tell my mom the day before the project was due that I needed to go to the store, get some arts and crafts, make the project. I'd be up all night, you know, the night before trying to get my project done. And when I came in, it would look like I did it the night before. You know, it would be like on, a, on like a good project, I would get like a B minus. You know, that's kind of where I did. Charles' dad was an eye doctor, okay? And for some reason, when Charles would come in with his project... It would look like, I mean, he would have like an eyeball that had like blood veins in it, and it would have like Hawaiian punch flowing through the blood veins, and then it would have like the cornea, and it would like come apart in all different ways. And I would be like, there is no way, Charles, that you made that project. Did you ever know anybody that their parents always did their projects in elementary school? And I just wanted to like argue with Mrs. Reese, my sixth grade teacher, and say, Mrs. Reese, I know it's really good, and I know he got an A plus on the project, but he didn't do the work, you know? And that's what this thing is with like thing one and thing two for us is that God did an incredible work, but sometimes he doesn't get the credit or sometimes we do not pay attention to what God had done for us. And so tonight I want us to unpack what did God do for us that allows us to pursue godliness. And to do that, we're going to look at this letter that Peter wrote. Now, it's uh, the book of Second Peter. And the thing that you need to know about Second Peter is that he wrote this to believers. In fact, he wrote this letter to believers that were struggling with uh, some false teaching, and Peter's going to challenge them on how to deal with that. Now, if you're here tonight, 
We're not, we're, a lot of you are new, by the way, and we're so glad you're here, and uh, we love it. We love having guests here. It's amazing that you're here tonight. And I want to just say that, that Peter wrote this letter to Christians. Now, if you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, we want to say a special word of welcome to you. Our, this church was built for people who didn't grow up in church. This church was built for people who didn't know Jesus, because we want you to know Jesus, because we think it's the greatest relationship that you could ever possibly have. But if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus, I want you to pay attention because... We're going to explain, you're going to see why Christianity is important and what God did for Christians and how he empowered Christians to be able to pursue this thing called godliness, which is what we're talking about. Okay, so this is uh, the letter, uh, uh, 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 3, here it is. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. So, Peter begins with this idea, his divine power. Now, this is an amazing power. This is like an out-of-this-world kind of power. This is God's power. That's what divine power is. It's God's power. It's the kind of power that when you speak, you can create things. Like you spoke, and there was water on the earth. Or you picked up the dust of the earth, and you breathed life into it, and Adam was created. Or you put him in a deep sleep, and you removed one of his ribs, and you made a woman. That's the kind of power that that Peter's talking about. His divine power. It's God's power. It's a dynamite power. It's the power that rose Jesus from the dead. It's that kind of power. His divine power has given us. Now, this word given is is the kind of word that you would uh, like give a precious gift. That's what's going on here. His, His divine power, his God power, has given us everything. Now, everything is amazing. In the original language, um, in the Greek language, everything means everything. Isn't that amazing? Uh, you know, I went to grad school to be able to understand that. that. Everything means everything. You're like, that's really dumb. But no, no. It's really, really important. You need to understand that God's power has given us everything. He didn't give you some things. He gave you everything. Now, this is important for you to know because some of you in the room tonight, you think... Hey, I know um, godliness is what you're talking about, that you would be like God, that you would live life like God, that you would have a God-like behavior, but, but you're thinking that that's not possible for you. But it is possible for you. You know why it's possible? Because God's power has given you everything we need for life and godliness. So um, I have this uh, Polaroid camera here. This is old school camera here. These are amazing. Y'all didn't grow up with these, but for me, Christmas morning started every Christmas didn't start. Every Christmas day did not start until this camera was broke. Not this one, but a camera like this came out and uh, took a picture of me and my sister on the stairs before we got to see, you know, what Santa Claus brought to us. And uh, it was amazing. But these things are so incredible because they take a picture and they put an image on the film right then and there. And the film pops out. In fact, uh, um, let's see, uh, Jesh, where are you, Jesh? Are you in the room, Jesh? Come, come up here. Let's just take a quick selfie. And my wife is going to come help me take this selfie real quick because this is so old. I'm not sure if it's going to work. And she has one of those new digital Polaroid cameras as well. So um, we're going to take a selfie together. Everybody, this is Jesh, by the way. Everybody say Jesh. And so, um, Jesh, I need you to get on this side because I can't do it with my... Uh, okay. All right. Better side? Yes, the better side. You ready? All right. One, two, three. Check that out right there. And we're going to do one more with a real Polaroid right there. All right. Good stuff. All right. So here's the deal. Uh, Jess, thank you so much. Everybody give Jess a hand. So um, Jess uh, lives in a pencil factory. 
He likes walk, long walks to uh, in the, the campus of Georgia State, and he's a uh, he's also a, a graphics design major, junior at Georgia State. And I know the series is called Fixer Upper, so if uh, I, if anybody is in, interested in Jeff, 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 she's available. So um, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. But this is not what we're talking about in Fixer Upper. But Jess, thanks for playing. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, but what's so amazing about this picture is is the picture is not coming in uh, yet. Okay. And why it's not coming in is it takes some time, okay? It takes some time for the air to hit the film and for it to, to develop. But what's so amazing is that everything that is needed, for when this camera like snaps the image, the image is captured, and everything that's needed for the picture to come into focus, for the picture to be developed, it's taken in the moment that the picture is snapped. The image is sealed right then and there. And in the same way, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for you at the cross, everything that you need for life and godliness is sealed right then and there. You don't need anything else. Everything that you need for life and godliness is sealed right then and there. That's what Peter's saying. He's saying you don't need any extra training. That you have everything you need for life, the, the ability to navigate class, the ability to handle responsibilities like paying the bills, the ability to navigate relationships, and also the ability for you to be like God, to have a God-like attitude. Everything that you needed was given right then and there. Right then and there. So, he continues, alright? Um, next, next part of the verse. Everything that we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him. Now, this is really, really important because um, I made a joke about the everything. It didn't go over too well. But knowledge is really, really important for you to understand. It's not like just typical knowledge, okay? Um, it's, it's, it's a different type, type of knowledge. The type of knowledge that, that Peter is talking about is, um, is the, the kind of knowledge that describes a relationship. In fact, it's the kind of knowledge that describes like a relationship between a man and a woman. It, it's, a, it's an intimate relationship, like a connected relationship, like real talk, connected, okay? You, you with me here? Like it, it's an intimate relationship. In fact, we would, we would say it this way, that it's experiential knowledge. It's experiential knowledge. That's the kind of knowledge that you have to understand. That your experiential knowledge of Jesus, that you would experience him, that you would know him. In fact, John Piper says it this way. He says it this way. He says, um, the Christian faith is not merely a set of doctrines to be accepted. It is a power to be experienced. It is not a set, a set of doctrines just to believe in. It's, just, it's the kind of power that you have to experience. Another way that we would say it is this way. We would say godliness begins with the intimate knowledge of Christ. Godliness begins with the intimate knowledge of Christ. Or we, we, we could say it this way. Godliness begins with a relationship with Christ. You see, if you want to train yourself to be godly, you have to have a relationship with Jesus. It has to be an intimate relationship. It's a growing relationship. It's one that you're pursuing. That's what needs to happen if you are going to know Jesus. If you're going to experience godliness, you have to pursue him. 
You have to pursue Him. You have to experience Him. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. The next verse. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises. So here's what you need to know. Is that when you put your faith in Jesus, that something special has happened. There is a result that has happened for you. There is a result that has happened in your life that's for you. And God has done an incredible work for you. And you, what we're talking about tonight is that you would know what that work is. And that work is in these very great and precious promises, which were just in verse 3, which is that he's given you everything for life and godliness. Okay? The promises are that he has given you everything for life and godliness. And then we're going to sum up the word promises in just a moment. But he says this so that, you, that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Okay? So he's, he's saying to you that through these promises that you have been enabled, you have been enabled to participate in the divine nature. That you have been actually given the opportunity to, to participate in God's nature. Okay, now this is really hugely important that you understand this. This I know we've already had a, a, a reference tonight to this, but this would be a major key alert. Okay, can I just say, can I make sure that everybody is with me that this is a major key alert right now because this is huge. Okay, and and what what I mean by that is is that that up to this point and up into the point of you having faith in Jesus, that the only nature you knew was your sin nature, okay? That is the only nature that you know. Everybody has a sin nature. You were born into sin. We're really good at sinning. I don't know if you knew that, but you, it comes natural to us. And, and, you know, we talked about, like, you know, the pursuit of godliness last week, but being ungodly is, like, is normal because that's what we were born into. We were born into sin. And this is what you need to know is that sin is the antithesis of godliness. Like it is it is everything against what we talked about last week. When you talk about training yourself to be godly, well sin is the antithesis of that. Sin brings death. That's what sin does. Sin kills relationships. Sin kills intimacy. Sin kills influence. Sin brings destruction to all things. And so the only nature that you have known is a sin nature. But when God gave us Jesus Christ, he gave us the opportunity, when we put our faith in him, that we have a new nature. We have a new option. We have a new capacity, okay? And, and that's what's going on here. And, and what's amazing about the promise that Peter is referring to is, yes, he gave us a promise that, that we have life and godliness, the promise that we have everything for life and godliness. But the promise can be summed up this way, that you have a new nature. And the reason that you have a new nature is that we have been promised salvation. And the promise of salvation through Jesus Christ is the deliverance from sin and its eternal consequences. So that's what, what happened when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Is that we got salvation. And the greatest thing about this is that we've been delivered from the consequences of sin for eternity. Now, I want to be clear on this. There are still consequences for sin. Because if you want to uh, just, just try this one out. Please don't try this one out. But I'm just saying, if you try this one out. If you just want to add sin into your relationships. Like add sin into your dating relationships. And watch how fast it kills it. 
Watch how fast it breaks the intimacy. Some of you know this from experience because you've, you've had that happen in your relationships. So there are consequences, but the good news is that because of Jesus Christ, He has provided salvation, that He's provided the payment for us, and that there are no eternal consequences because God has set us free from the power of sin and death. And so let's keep going here. Jesus demonstrated moral victory over sin. He canceled our immeasurable debt on the cross and established a glorious victory over death. So this is what happened when we got salvation. When we got salvation, Jesus demonstrated moral victory over sin. Do you know that when Jesus went to the cross, he went to the cross to pay for the sins of the entire world? And he defeated the power of sin. Now, this is really important because... Again, major key alert, you can, say, you can have victory over sin in your life today because you've been given a new nature. And he canceled our immeasurable debt. Like your debt was, you could not pay back your debt. Your debt, your debt deserved the wrath of God. Your debt deserved you being in hell. That's what was going on here. But on the cross, Jesus established a glorious victory over death. And that's really, really good news. That's amazing news for us. So, here, here's another way that Paul said it right here. Um, he said it this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. Okay? So you have been made a new creation by putting your faith in Christ. And the old is gone, and the new is here. Another way to say this is this, this. The old self was disabled and you were defined by sin. Your old self is defined by sin. You were marked with sin. You had no hope in that moment because you were marked by sin. But the new self is enabled and redefined by Christ. That's the good news of the cross. As the old self was disabled and defined by sin, but the new self is enabled and redefined by Christ. So, here's what's, again, so important about this. Is that at this point, you only have known one nature. You and I. Before we knew Christ, we only knew one way, and that was a sinful way. But now, since we put our faith in Christ, we have a new way. And the new way is that we have been enabled, we have been allowed, we have the right to actually say no to sin. That's, that's what's going on. That's what's happening here. And so, let's just think about this truth, okay, through Second Peter 1.4. Now, this, this, this truth that you are a new creation. Now, let's read verse 4 again. It says, through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. So, through this promise, we may participate in the divine nature. In other words, what we're saying is this. Yeah, in Christ... You possess a new capacity to make a godly life your reality. In Christ, you possess a new capacity to make a godly life 
your reality. You have a new capacity. Now, um, let me try to explain it this way. In 2008 or nine, we became a student organization at Georgia Tech. And um, it, was, it was amazing because uh, I got a student ID. I got a buzz card, which was really, really cool for us. But um, if some of you, and we were a student organization at, at Georgia State, and I, was, I haven't gotten one of these, a Panther card, and I want to get one of these because um, what happened in this moment for us, we used to be a stu- uh, we used to meet, the living room used to meet at Georgia Tech. And it was really uh, crazy because at night we would load out and the buildings would lock up like at 1030 and some would lock up. Um, some would be up until 11, but we would still have to go in there and get stuff out of them. And the only way you could get in there was with one of these. And, and when you became a student at the school that you attend, you got an ID card. Now, you don't think it's that cool. You're, you don't think it's that great. But then when you lose one of these, you realize how important it is, Right. Especially if you put money on here for meals, you know, it's like, man, where did my buzz card go? You know, it's really, really important. But what happened when I got this card, it gave me new access at Georgia Tech. It gave me a new capacity, not just capacity that I could go in buildings, but it enabled me to get in places that I couldn't get in anymore. Okay, and so so in the same way. When you put your faith in Christ, you got a new nature. And it allowed you, it gave you the power, it enabled you to say no to sin. That's the reality. That you could look at sin in the face, that you could look at sin and say, sin, you have no power over me. You could look at temptation and say, nope, been down that road before. I know it's not going to satisfy me. Sin, you have no power over me. Now, I just want you to think about this for a moment because I want you to actually uh, practice saying, telling sin that you have no power over you, that sin has no power over you. I want us to do this out loud. And so I'm going to say this in just a moment. I'm going to say, sin, you have no power over me. And I want you to say it together um, and, and check it out, okay? I just want us to, to test drive this tonight. As you get in situations, you're like, hey, I might need to actually say this. You're like, are you crazy? No, I'm serious. I think you, you should think about saying this because you need to tell yourself in the moment that sin doesn't have power. It doesn't have power. You're like, wait a minute. I know it has power. I'm addicted to things. Well, no, that's true. It, it has power because you're letting it have power in your life. And it's because you don't know that you have a new nature. And your new nature has set you free from the power of sin. So, would you all just uh, please, all together now, we're going to say this. I'm going to say, sin, you have no power over me. And then I want you to say it with me. Okay, so I'm going to say it once. Sin, you have no power over me. Now let's all say it together corporately, all right? Here we go. Sin, you have no power over me. One more time. Sin, you have no power over me. Now, we're going to say it again. And this time, we're going to say it with a little attitude. And I want us, I want us to say, I want us to focus on the word no, okay? Because I just feel like, you know, we got to let sin know that, that we're saying no to sin, okay? So um, I'm, I'm going to say it this way. I'm going to say, sin, you have no power over me, okay? Now, if you want to throw a little extra in on the no, that way I would appreciate it, okay? So I'm going to say it once with a little attitude. I want you to say it with me, okay? All right, you ready? So here's my t- turn. Here we go. Sin, you have no power over me, okay? And so I want you all to say it together now. Here we go. One, two, three. Here we go. Sin, you have no power over me. Yeah, listen to you guys. That was great. All right. Now, listen, I know this sounds crazy, 
But I want to go one more time, okay? And this time we're going to whisper it, okay? And the reason we're going to whisper it is because I know most of you think I'm crazy right now. And I, I get that. But there are going to be times in, in a moment of temptation that you need to just awaken yourself and go, this does not have to be the path I choose. That I can say no to sin. Because God has set you free from sin. And it, it does not need to control your life. And so I want you, just in the moment, that you just are there and you're like, okay, this isn't right. And that you could just, you could just whisper it. It could just remind you. And no one even has to hear it. You could just say, That you could just say it and it really awakens you that sin has no power over you. So we're going to whisper it together corporately, all right? You with me? Everybody with me on this? All right, here we go. We're going to say it on the count of three, okay? One, two, three. Sin, you have no power over me. Great job, great job. See, that's the reality is that sin has no power over you. Because you have a new nature. Because of what Christ has done. What God has done through Christ. He's made you a new creation. And sin has no power over you. And this is extremely important that you would understand that. That sin has no power over you. You do not have to listen to sin and temptation. You have been set free from sin and temptation. Because of what Christ, the work... That God, our Heavenly Father, has done. That He loved you so much that He gave His only Son for you to set you free from sin and temptation. So, final thing on this verse. Let's put this up here. Through these, He's given us His very great and precious promises. Salvation and the fact that we have everything we need for life and godliness. So that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Now, what's so amazing about the language right here is this having escaped. It's past tense. It's already been done. That's what we've been talking about all night long tonight. That it's having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. I don't think I need to spend much time talking to you that there's corruption in the world. I think you guys know what corruption in the world is. You've seen corruption in the world. You're exposed to it every day. That there's corruption in the world. But what causes the corruption in the world is evil desires. And you have evil desires in you. I have evil desires in me. They still awaken sometimes. And what I need to remind myself is that God, through Jesus Christ, has given me that I have possession of escape. I have been given the power to escape. That I already have it. It's already been done. That I have been given the power to escape. And because of that, I need to say no to the evil desires that are in my life. Because sin has no power over me. Sin has no power over me. So I, I don't know, do y'all, are there any Space Jam fans in the room tonight? Anybody watch Space Jam growing up? Okay, Space Jams. No one on the left-hand side of the room. Okay, for Quan, thank you. Okay, Space Jam. Okay, but there's a critical moment 
in Space Jam. If you don't have it, has anybody not seen the movie Space Jam and, and just uh, Takers? Yeah, I, I hadn't seen it till this past year. My wife said you got to You haven't seen Space Jam? She's like, you got to go see it. And I'm like, so she actually bought the movie. We watched it. It was amazing. Okay, it's it's not in HD. It's old school. I get to all of that. But there's this incredible scene where they're at the halftime and Michael Jordan has come out of retirement. But, uh, spoil alert. Okay, just to let you know and. Um, and he's come out of retirement, and he's playing with the Looney Tunes against the Monstars, okay? There's these aliens that are, have stolen the Looney Tunes, and if they don't win this basketball game, the Looney Tunes are going to have to be slaves on their planet, okay? That's what's going on. And Michael Jordan, they're getting their butts kicked at halftime, okay? And he is not happy. You know why he's not happy? Because Michael Jordan doesn't like losing. He doesn't know anything about losing because the guy is a champion, okay? And so he is given this incredible halftime speech. It's really not that incredible. He's mad, okay? And he's just going off on all the Looney Tunes. And Bugs Bunny decides he's going to save the day and he's going to inspire the group. And he finds a water bottle and he writes Michael's secret stuff on it. Michael's secret stuff, and he fills it up with water, and he's like, hey, you know, play along, Michael, play along, Michael, they don't, they don't have the stuff, they, you need to give them your stuff, and so, and Michael's like, yeah, sure, and they all start drinking Michael's secret stuff, which is just water, but they start pounding it, you know, and then they start believing that they can beat the Monstars, and then they go back out there, and they start performing great, but it gets really, really tight at the end of the game, and they call a timeout, and they're, they're thinking it's not going to happen. They're thinking, like, this isn't going to happen. And, and they're like, Michael, we need more stuff. We need more of your secret stuff. And Michael says, it's been in you the whole time. It's been in you the entire time. If you had put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you're here tonight and you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have been set free from the power of sin and death. And you have the power to live a godly life. We said it this way. We said, in Christ, you possess a new capacity to make a godly life your reality. In Christ, you possess a new capacity to make a godly life your reality. So as we wrap up, I just want to give you two questions tonight as we close. The first question is this. Have you put your faith in Christ? Have you come to a place in your life that you have believed in Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Savior of your sins? Because you cannot pursue godliness unless you've put your faith in Jesus Christ. And I would love for you to just do that tonight, to believe in Jesus Christ, to put your faith, to ask God that you would experience Him, that you want to experience knowing Him, that you want to receive His payment of sin on the cross for your sins. And you believe that he paid for your sins on the cross. That he defeated the power of sin and death when he was raised from the dead. So if you're here tonight, I would love for you to think about that question. I would love for you to come to know Jesus. And if it's not tonight, maybe you'll come back in the next couple weeks and you'll say, Okay, I believe in Jesus now. And I want to follow him. The second question is this. What are the evil desires that are, that are in you that are currently corrupting your world? Some of you have known Jesus for a long time and you've been coming, but you haven't really been walking with him lately because there's evil desires that are in your life that you are allowing to corrupt your world right now. As soon as I say it, you know what the sin is that trips you up. And I just want you to identify that sin. I want you to acknowledge that sin and say, you know what? 
Through Jesus Christ, I have a new nature, and I'm going to say no to that evil desire. I'm going to say no to that evil desire, and I'm not going to let it corrupt my world anymore. Because it is robbing me of the life that God has for me. And so I just want you to think about that. Identify it. Speak to it. And start pursuing God with all your heart. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight. I thank you so much for these students. I thank you so much that they would come out on a Monday night to get to know you. And God, I pray that they would feel you right now through your Holy Spirit. That they would know that you love them, that you're for them, that you believe in them. I pray that they would know that you've set them free from the power of sin and the consequences of sin. And God, for anyone in here tonight that doesn't know you, I pray they put their faith in you tonight as their Savior, their personal Savior. And God, for the rest that are in the room tonight, I pray that they would identify that sin, they would speak to it, and they would run after you with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Would you lead them through your grace and by your mercy in the days to come. In Jesus' name, amen.